6 to 7 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Uh, good morning, leadership, and good morning to the Kosi Faithfuls. Uh, my name is Etumelen Kune, and uh, things have been going well. Uh, it's good to be back, it's good to be playing, it's good to be competing. Uh, but uh, yes, we've been playing very well. It's just that the results haven't been coming our way. So we really have to dig deeper to get the results because there's only eight games left of the 2020-2021 season. So we just have to keep working hard and grinding for results and make the Kwasi Faithfuls proud of their team. Uh, yeah, Sundowns has been doing very well, but at this stage, we we focusing on ourselves, we're focusing on our game plan, we're focusing on how we can take uh, advantage of the opportunities we create. We're taking one game as it comes, but uh, it's very important that every game we go to now, we go into to dig deep for, for the results and we're going to fight until the end. Yeah, it hasn't been a, a very easy season for us from start, but uh, we, 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 we are clapping together as a team and we fight for each other we fight for the badge and yes uh, eight game unbeaten run let's stop it there good evening everybody thank you for staying with us on safm and for joining us on safm spot on with me tabi somosia and katleko uh, mudiba producing the show and patrick munana in a technical there thank you to mosquito and his team on beyond the headlines uh, for the great show that they've had before us but it's time for sport now and we've opened with a clip from kaiser chiefs goalkeeper itubil and kune there's a big clash this weekend in the psl in the premiership it is Kaiser Chiefs against Sundowns, but not a lot of people are talking about it. I guess it's because it's no longer a top. We reject Mos- Mosquito. We reject Mosquito. There's no doom, but we reject This is not Lutuli House. You can't just budge in here. Okay, he rejects Mosquito. He says I must take it back. Uh, um, his name, so we can call him Adrian. Or Ad- Adran. Okay, Aldrin. We withdraw Mosquito. We withdraw. Let's get back to serious matters now in talk sport. Um, it's a it's a flashback Friday, but we've opened with a clip from Itubil and Kune. And before Mosquito budged in, I was just saying that there's a big clash between Chiefs and Sundowns, but not a lot of people are talking about it. I guess it's because of Kaiser Chiefs' position on the log that it's not at the top of the table clash. Uh, there was more fanfare ahead of Sundowns and Amazulu than ahead of Chiefs and Sundowns, but it's still a big game. Should still be a great game. Looking forward to that one. There's also Swallows and Pirates, of course tomorrow in what they say is the original Soweto Derby. And uh, at the moment, uh, Marispec United up against Barroca. The last time I checked the scores, ooh, it was 1-1 there. Um, Makopa had equalized after Kudumela had put Marisbeck ahead. It's still 1-1 after 54 minutes or so. So back to what we're doing on the show tonight. It's a flashback Friday. We like to sit back, just take things easy, go back in time. And tonight on the show, we're going to talk running, a lot of running. 
We're going to talk about some of the country's leading road runners of the 80s or maybe even before then or late 80s and early 90s. But there were three men named Matthews. Matthews Batswadi, Matthews Mutsuaritao Lopenfal, and the extremely gifted but had to find Matthews Timani, who was a freak of nature from what we hear about him. And there were a lot of other runners at the time. Lawrence Peuchardes Kolileyawa, who was on the show um, sometime last year, I think, or the year before that. There was Shedrick Hoff, of course, and many, many, many others. But the author of the book, the book titled Three Men Named Matthews Richard Mayer, will take us back, way back, back in time, just to talk about running back in the days and these three men named Matthew specifically. And if you are around during that time of these three men named Matthews, if you're on the road, even better. But if you're familiar with these names, please get in touch with us because we like to educate each other here, especially on a Friday. We like to hear about stories that we don't know and things we don't know. And I think we're going to learn a lot uh, tonight. So tell us about some of these greats from the past, if you are aware of them. Uh, there were lots of them. Of course, there was Johan Furi. Uh, I remember him a little bit. There was Henning Kherke and many, many, many others. So send us your voice notes to 061-4104-107 if you want to join our conversation uh, with Mr. Richard Mayer. There was Mr. Sibisi also, Mr. Um, Mr. Mamabolo also. Lots of these guys that were running back in, 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 in the day. Great champions. Some of them did not get the recognition that they deserve because obviously of our past and the situation in the country at the time. But Richard Mayer, the author of The Three Men Named Matthews, will talk to us about, uh, about, about some of these guys. He was there. He was also on the road. He was running, but he was also observing what was going on at the time. And uh, he's he really put together a wonderful book, Three Three men named Matthews. It's it's been out for a couple of years now, and um, it's it's really fantastic. If you haven't read it, it's ne it's never too late to go read Three Men Named Matthews. So we're going to speak to the author, Mr. Richard Mayer, and we'll talk about some of those greats from the past as we focus on running tonight on SAFM Spot On. Zanzi's sporting milestones, moments, and stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musiya. And let's welcome our guest on the line now. Richard Mayer joins us here to talk about his book and to just to talk in general about running back in the day. Richard, good evening and thank you very much for speaking to us tonight on SAFM. It's a pleasure and an honor for us to be chatting to you. Honor is mine completely to be so great to be with you. Thanks, Richard. I've been reading your book even recently, and what a wonderful, informative, educational, it's even emotional too. It covers a wide range of aspects and topics, and we're going to get get into that as we go on in the show. But what went into writing this book, Three Men Named Matthews? Well, Tabisa, I think the great uh, stimulus was I had started writing, putting together a few things, and then it was a calamity. I'm still emotional about it now. I, I got a phone call from my great friend, Johannes Maramani. I went to the Sydney Olympics with him. I, I coached him and, and mentored him. And Johannes gave me this terrible phone call um, one early, one Saturday morning. I recorded it in the book. Mm -hmm. And he said, Richard, have you heard? Matthews mm -hmm. is dead. And that was Matthews Lopenfall. Mm -hmm. Matthews Machura too. Yes. Um, one of the great three Matthews. And it jolted me into action because I suddenly realized I couldn't pick up the phone or have a, have a coffee or a drink with Matthews and talk about the old days to record his recollections of his career and his participation both in South Africa and in the United States. Um, and, you know, he was an iconic figure that that Afrikaans nickname that he had <laughs> made him a folk hero. And, and not only in the black community, in the white community, in Afrikaans community, by, by implication of having an Afrikaans nickname. And he was loved across all communities, 
and it was a great loss to our country. And it spurred me into action. I must actually start getting on with this. It was a long process, but it was a labor of love, and it's something I'm very proud of having managed to do while I had the time before I got married and didn't have the time to undertake such a project. Yes, and, and, and then how long did it take to put it all together then, Richard, and when officially was the book out? Well, um, we launched it on, on the day of the Soweto Marathon at the Maponyo Mall because it was close to where uh, Matthew's Machura too was born and, and uh, learned to run um, in 2009. So it was just after the World Champs uh, where Castor Semenya emerged and Muleni Mulazzi had that wonderful victory in the men's 800 meters. So it was a historic moment and it took me 10 years to write. Mm. But, you know, I, it was a part-time project and, you know, I am quite involved in the sport. I'm a coach yeah. and an athlete. So it, it was quite nice. I'd go to cross-country on one occasion I, I chatted to Zitaleli Sinkwe, who was also coaching there, and I asked him about uh, the build-up to that wonderful half marathon, which I think for me is the high point of the book when this, this marathon had been so hyped up that a world record was in the offing. Golili Yahweh had run very fast early in the season at the Momentum Challenge in Bedford View, and the papers were speculating endlessly for months about a world record. And not only did the hype get delivered, it was exceeded by that, that, that absolutely titanic and enthralling race between Zutuleli Sinque and, and Matthews Tamani. And Zut told me about it, the build-up, I chatted to Tamani the evening before. So it was nice to actually um, you know, talk to the, the, the main actors and dramatis persona in this, in this wonderful era. And I mean, the other race, uh, Zutuleli, sadly, also no longer with us. That, that wonderful, uh, still the fastest marathon on the African continent, that duel between himself and uh, William Tolo, 1986. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that wonderful marathon where they, they both uh, ran in the top 10 uh, fastest marathon times in the world uh, with a 2804 for, for Zitulele, narrowly beating um, Willie into a 2815. I mean, these, these at the time were, were, were really, really fast times. Yes, and, 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 and most of it is in the book, folks, that half marathon that he talks about. Um, and remember when we spoke to Tolile Yawa, also he touched on it on the show. And we are talking to Richard Mayer, the author of Three Men Named Matthews, uh, athlete himself, uh, coach himself. And uh, if you do remember the greats of those days, please get in touch with us on 061-4104-107. If there's a name that sounds familiar as we go along, uh, the late Zitulele Singer and... Uh, as we mentioned, the late Lopenfall, Matthews Mutsuaratao, please share your memories or whatever you have on them as we just try and educate each other on the show here with Richard. Richard, before we get deep into what's in the book and in, into some of those races, because there was no Google at the time and you guys were probably using, I don't know if it was Telegram. What, what did Jody Schechter tell us? What did, it was te- Telex. There was something called Telex that Jody Schechter said they were using at the time. How were you able to get the information and the stats that you use in the book? Uh, luckily, we have this this document called the South African Athletics Annual, which I've also worked on uh, subsequently. There's lots of information in there. And I also did archival research uh, going to uh, the Johannesburg Library and the National Library in Cape Town, getting old copies of SA Runner, which was a wonderful publication because it spanned the whole sport. You had the ultra marathon with the Comrades Marathon, and also the very fast uh, races from Jan Ferry 
uh, Matthews, Tamani, Lup, and Fal, etc., on, on the track. And uh, it was a wonderful, inclusive publication and full of full of the energy of the time, which I've I've called the golden age because of the wonderful performances and the atmosphere that prevailed. Okay, we're going to play you a clip here that we've managed to pull out uh, from the archives. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with that, with, with that clip that we've pulled out of the archives. Zanzi's Sporting Milestones, Moments and Stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musea. Okay, here's a clip about Lopenfall. from his odd running style but like michael johnson today style means nothing he still holds the fastest time over 10 kilometers on the road by a south african and remains a living legend on the road and the track meet matthews motuarate one gentleman from a uh, uh, free state uh, uh, excuse me from uh, a vendor uh, yeah, he saw me and he said uh, that man is gonna collapse uh, uh, what's wrong with him? And then uh, the guy from the press, which is Moses Malawi, picked up that, and then that's where the name Lopin first started. It didn't bother me because uh, that's my style, you know, I can't change my own style. And then the way I'm running is uh, fantastic. The more I run that way, the more I, the more I move. An accomplished track and road runner, Matsuaro Teo also has the distinction of being the last South African to hold the 5,000 and 10,000 meter national record simultaneously. The 5,000 meter record came in Stellenbosch in April 1978, when as a 19-year-old, he clocked an impressive 13 minutes, 29.6 seconds. And then we went down to Cape Town for some more meets, where we went against Bonzet, Krochman, and then we went that race, I didn't plan, I was a new guy in the, in the field, you know. And then when we say, and then we ran the race, I think what's uh, we, we went out the heart, and then I followed him. And then, uh, you know, by then I was not being coached, you know. I said, me, okay, that I was hanging with Batswadi all the way because uh, he's the toughest guy all the way. And then I think we ran the first lap, second lap, very, the first part of the race we ran very fast. I think we were running at a very good pace. But unfortunately, I didn't have experience then. If I knew, I could have gone for the record. And then I went all the way to win the race, and they said, oh, this is a hard start up in 1329. And I was so happy. And then after that, uh, what I wanted to do is to uh, try to smash the world record, which was uh, held by Henry Rono. But uh, were, uh, because of lack of competition in South Africa, uh, the only opposition, uh, it was Nathus uh, Batswadi. So I was beating him all the time. Matsuarateo went on to break the national 10,000-meter record in 1979 and was duly offered a scholarship in America for five years. The experience proved invaluable, and when he came back to start an epic rivalry with Matthew Tamani, it paid off. Here at King's Park in Durban in 1986, Matsuarateo... Okay, so that's a little bit of lop and fall uh, there, Richard. What memories does it bring back? Well, I, I was a young guy then. I don't remember the the race that Matthews talks about uh, when when he smashed the South African record beating Yevart Banzet. But what I do remember was when he was uh, mentioned as a contender in 1978 for the SABC uh, TV mm. road race. Mm. And um, I remember Wally Hayward talking about, they called this man Lupin Fall. And suddenly I realized there was a new guy on the block. And for some reason, the guy became my hero. I just sort of sensed this guy had something special. 
and it was a great privilege uh, 12 years later, 1990, to actually greet him. I'd heard he was quite um, an unfriendly, aloof character, but we just got on like a house on fire. So um, memories of of my first encounter the same year uh, with, with him as a media personality, and then 12 years later, we became friends. So... Uh, what a wonderful guy. Um, the, the thing that strikes me about uh, Matthews Mochoa too is competitive intensity. I've, I've actually never met anyone who can exceed his competitive intensity, only, only match it. You know, you talk about people like uh, Mike Tyson in boxing or Evander Holyfield or whoever your, your favorite sports person is. Uh, Matthews could match them for that um, desire to win. And from what I read in the book, it's, it's probably one man who didn't fulfill his potential, Matthews Mutsorata. He was an interesting character on and off the road, wasn't he? Yeah, a wonderful, warm character. Uh, he was quite extremely charismatic, good fun. Um, he, 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 he liked to have a beer after action satisfaction. He always never let drinking get in the way of his running, but he liked to, to relax after a beer. And uh, I, I just think in a different era, if he'd been properly protected, um, and had his career developed incrementally, uh, we, we looked. We could look at Olympic medal potential there because in the races that he ran, particularly a big race in the United States, 1981, the National Collegiate Athletic Championship cross country. In that race, he beat an uh, uh, athlete called Suleiman Nainbui from Tanzania, who the previous year had got silver in the Olympic 5,000 meters. And he also beat a, a Kenyan athlete called Mike Masioki, who got third in the 10,000 meters subsequently in the 1984 uh, Olympics in Los Angeles. So he was competing with and beating the best in the world. And there is a picture in the book, and I've seen it at Matthew's house. There's a wonderful trophy that he got when he was the first man in 1980 to break 28 minutes for the 10K on the road. <laughs> And, and Matthews was a guy, he, he loved to, when, when he got on a roll, to talk about the names that he had beaten. And that just rolled off his tongue. Rod Dixon, who was an Olympic medalist. Bill Rogers, multiple winner of the Boston Marathon. Bruce Bickford. Um, and and, and another, a, a number of other big names that he loved to roll off his tongue that these were his victims. But I think the highlight of his career that I certainly make in the book is that wonderful victory over Arturo Barrios uh, mm. in 1988. Barrios was the best runner on the road in the world at the time, subsequently broke the world record for 10,000 meters. And when, when I actually approached Matthews, um, his eyes lit up immediately when I asked him to recount his victory over Barrios because it wasn't really covered much in this country, and it was a little bit under the radar because Matthews had been running for Botswana to break the sports boycott. He, he was a Swana. And he did have links to Botswana, but um, he was um, trying to compete internationally, uh, which he was prohibited from doing because of the international sports boycott against South Africa. And at that time, that was, I think, that was 1988, April 16. And at that time, Barrios had been unbeaten in, I think, over two years. Correct, correct. I mean, he, he was a wonderful runner, and, and it was great fun to actually interview him. Um, a friend of mine ga- gave me his number, and I talked to him about the build-up to the race, and he, he said that he had spoken to people like Mark Plikes, and he realized that Matthews was um, a, a force to be reckoned with if he was in shape. But mm. uh, 
he wasn't sure if he was in shape because Matthews did struggle when he came back to South Africa because he would have loved to have stayed in the United States with all the running opportunities. Mm. And, you know, he, he, he wanted to marry an American lady so he could get his citizenship, but it never happened. And then I personally believe one of the things that spurred him into life uh, when after I met him was I sort of implied to him that uh, Matthew Stamani might have the edge on him. Mm. And I think that spurred him into action and realized, you know, maybe there's still some unfinished work to be done, even in apartheid South Africa, because the tragedy for him and uh, Matthew Stamani was international competition came too late for them. They were in their uh, early to mid-30s by the time South Africa came back to international competition. So they didn't really get to compete in the Olympics and international races in their prime. Yeah, let's just take a voice note from 061-4104-107. Matthews Botswadi, Kevin Shaw and Johnny Halverset. What contest they had in cross-country from Craig and Durban? Matthews Tamani would have been an Olympic champion and world champion. I have no doubt about that if he was able to compete internationally. Oh, thanks for that, uh, uh, Craig. Thanks for your contribution. And those who are around that time, and remember these great uh, runners or anybody else we haven't mentioned, do send us your voice notes to 061-4104-107. And just still on Lopenfall, um, Richard Mayer, you went to his place of birth in Soweto. And it seems like from what I read in the book, you were just amazed that where he comes from, how did this guy start running and, 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 and how did he become so good? Because maybe the place where he grew up, it wasn't conducive to, to road running or he was not even known where he was from, but he came out and he became a top runner. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how, 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 as I say in the book, how genius and, and potential just comes from nowhere. You know, there, there, there's, there's nothing special uh, about Matthew's place of birth. But you had a man who had a spark of genius. Um, he, he just had this incredible self-belief. I was speaking to, to my great friend Ian Gentles, who, who did very well as a white boy from Santon, I say with a joke, uh, to actually beat <laughs> Matthews Lopenfall and, and, and Matthews Tamani, albeit past their prime. And, and he, he said that the one thing about um, Matthews Lopenfall was this incredible self-belief because – he was told before the race with Barris by people like um, Fulbert Bay and, and Nyambui, the two Tanzanian friends of mm. his, that uh, Barris was unbeatable. And, and, and Matthews used to say to people who he felt were mentally weak, man, you've got to get your ma- mind right. You know, he spoke a bit like Muhammad Ali. He, had, <laughs> he sometimes liked to talk big, but like Ali, he could deliver. And uh, it's just amazing. You know, you, you get these wonderful... People who, who seem to come from nowhere, and there's almost like a divine spark in them. Uh, you know, their, their, their house is no different to the next house. And uh, you can't really find it in uh, their location. There's nothing to find where this, this genius, this competitive intensity, this will to win comes from. But, you know, there are champions everywhere if they're properly developed and nurtured. And then how tragic was his death, Richard, at the age of 43? Look, it was devastating. I mean, he had unfinished business. He was a charismatic figure. I believe he could have mentored and and um, spurred on many others to inspire them to, to, to the heights that he reached. And, you know, it, it, it's still shrouded in mystery. Um, you know, when, when someone famous dies, there are conspiracy theories. But it seemed like he didn't have a lot of money on him. And, and the, 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 the death is inexplicable, but it is a reality that we face in our country. A lot of people 
faced tremendous violence, and a lot of our runners have, have, have met tragic ends either through poverty or through terrible, terrible uh, circumstances like this. I mean, I think of the late uh, Kenny Jacobs as well, who I think um, uh, was attacked or shot himself with his own gun in some tragic circumstances. And it, um, one, one thinks of uh, Zituleli Thinkwe mm-hmm. and, and Mbuleli Malazzi in car accidents. So life is precious, and uh, we, we do lose a lot of our heroes in very, very sad circumstances. But the point for me is we must honor our heroes while they're alive. It's no good saying uh, tributes over their graves. Yes, and for those who don't know, Matthias Mutsorita Lopenfall was shot dead in Soweto, just outside his home or close to his home um, in 2001. Before we get into the other two men named Matthews, Richard, what, what, what I got out of the book from reading it is that it's not only about running, but you also go deep into the living conditions, into the struggles and the lives of the black athletes at the time. Um, why was it important for you to highlight this? Because it seems like as a white man or as a runner, you are also deeply touched by the inequality in the country. Well, it's it's a it's an ironic thing because I mean, as Tim Noakes says in the introduction, you know, running is a very hard sport, and you've got to be a very special person to be a runner. And somehow, the hardship that these men encountered made them very, very strong. So, for instance, uh, I had a very interesting review by one of the top athletic writers in the world, Pat Butcher, who said that I laughed at myself because I thought that the mine athletes were so tough because they could run and work underground, and a lot of them actually had surface jobs to help them train. But the the amazing thing about Matthews Botswadi was that when he won his first South African title, he was actually working underground at Western Deep Levels, which was the Mm. deepest gold mine in the world at the time. So he came from a really tough background. And, you know, as a runner, one admires hardiness, resilience, and, and mental and physical toughness in one's opponents. And I remember as a young, young privileged white athlete going to track meets. And I just, as I mentioned in the book, you, you just had this frizzle of fear going through you when you heard that mine athletes were, were, were at the meet because you realized you were in for a hard time. And I, I just feel one needs to understand people's circumstances to fully understand their achievement and, and to understand uh, what it takes to be successful. And I'm afraid um, in certain aspects, many of our athletes don't have that hardiness that perhaps the, the uh, predecessors had, like the three Matthews. I mean, Botswadi came from an incredibly tough background. Uh, Lopenfall had his challenges. His dad died died young, when he was young at eight. And then, um, you know, he, he, he was a witness to the Soweto uprising, which, which uh, was very, very... Um, Formative in in his in his beliefs and uh, his his approach to life because he realised life didn't give you second chances. He saw death and destruction, and realised uh, he must do something with his life. And talking about the mines, because it seems like most of these guys worked in the mines or were supported by the mines. Tolileya told us uh, when he was on the show here. Did the mines recruit them because of their running, or did these runners apply for work at the mines so that they could su- get support for their running? How did it work? I think there was a, a bit of both. Um, there was a lot more um, money in the mines and, and profits to, to devote to sport and rec. And it became quite uh, a prestigious thing in the mines, particularly running, to, to have a strong running team. So you, you had coaches like Matthews Tamani's coach, Richard Turnbull, at Val Reefs. And then you had Classy Geldenace, who coached Golili Yawa, 
at President Brunt, and they would have these intermine competitions. So there would be uh, quite a lot of leeway given to athletes to train. So Zitulele Sinkwe was at um, West or East Refontein, and they had a very strong group there, and they 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 had what they called the flop squad, where the guys basically ate, slept, and trained. And that mm. that, that, that contributed a lot to Zitulele's great success in the marathon. And he started giving Mark Pluck his a very hard time and then, then broke Mark's uh, South African record. And then Matthew Batswari came before the other two. How do you describe him as a runner and what made him special? I think um, Matthew Batswari to me typifies the average um, underground mine worker. Comes from a really tough background. Uh, didn't have much uh, scope for personal career development, but went down in the mines to bring money home to his family. Hard as nails, asked for little, received little, but um, with his talent, that hardiness, he was just a very hard man. I mean, I actually went and found him. He had disappeared for about 15 years, and, and Matthew's to mine, and I drove out to his place at a place called Dittakong, mm. um, uh, just past Freiburg, mm. and and we found him up. Uh, he stayed with me for a couple of weeks, and I, I went for a couple of training runs with him. He hadn't been training much, but the, the, the competitive intensity was always there. He tried to burn me off, although I was sort of 15 years younger than him. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, you know, these guys are, are, are programmed to 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 be competitive, and you know that 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 mental and physical toughness never left him. And you know, you, you know, your your mind worker has a really tough, tough um, life. And if, if you can harness that uh, mental and physical toughness in, into running, uh, you, you get some very, very special people. And I think uh, it's no secret that the decline of the minds and their support for track and field and particularly distance running has, has hurt uh, our country greatly. And the slack hasn't been taken up, let's say, in the army, the police, prison services as much as one would like. Yes, and before I go back to the voice notes, he was the first black athlete to be awarded Springbok Colors, Matthew Spotswadi. How was it received at the time? How did he receive it at the time? Well, uh, he, 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 he had a special award, and it, 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 it was a reflection, I think, of, of the shifting uh, currents in the society. Uh, South Africa had just been expelled from uh, the Olympic movement because of apartheid. And the running was ahead of the game in terms of integration, in terms of deracialization, because of the pressure from the Olympics. The non-aligned countries, the, 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 the communist countries, had a lot of influence there, and they forced uh, change in South African Olympics earlier than perhaps happened in rugby and cricket. And so it was a response to try and get South Africa back into international competition. But um, even if the motives weren't totally um, altruistic, it did reflect uh, the fact that running was a very progressive sport. I mean, you'll, you'll find um, that it, it, together with boxing, was the earliest uh, sports to transform. And, and you, you had... Uh, what, what was then called multiracial events where, where black and white could compete. And so it did lead the way. And, and I think it was very, very um, well, well received in, in the South African community in general. And the, the, the person one must feel sorry for 
was a Titus Mamabola who mm. got his Springbok colours uh, uh, about a couple of weeks later at the old SWU offices in Pretoria, and he, uh, he 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 possibly deserved them possibly more than Botswadi as a great trailblazer, but. He was never a bitter person, and he he, he wears his Springbok blazer with pride to this day. Yes. And let's go to some of the voice notes. We are talking to author, athlete, coach Richard Mayer about the three name three men named Matthews and some of the of, of some of the leading runners in the seventies, in the eighties, in the early nineties. Good evening, Tabiso. This is Mwana Palama Bushomani from Kortunga Matala Tabagopulukwani in Limpopo. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, this show is a long time coming. Uh, two guys from my hometown, or from my home village actually, Lawrence Peu, Johannes Mareman. Uh, like I said, uh, this, this show is a long time coming. Big ups to the, to, to, to the, to the gentlemen there. Uh, for writing the book, hopefully it captures something on these two two names that I, I just mentioned. Thank you. One up. Okay. Hi, Chipiso. Ask Richard if he can remember when Matthew Stamani and Luopen Fall set the world record on the beachfront in East London. I can't remember the year. It must have been about the mid-70s. But the greatest exhibition really I've ever seen in my life. Mike, East London. Okay, thanks for that, uh, Mike, in East London. I don't even know where to start now. Maybe let's start with Lawrence Peu, uh, uh, Richard. Um, he was mentioned here by, 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 by our caller here on the voice notes. What can you tell us about Lawrence Peu? I know him from the Olympic Games. That's when I remember him. Atlanta. Yes, yes he, he, he was always a promising runner in, in, the, in the late 80s. He, uh, I was a couple of years younger than him, but he was an up-and-coming guy. And then in about 1992, I think he won his uh, first uh, SA title, uh, early 90s, uh, made, made, it, made it to the Olympics where Josiah Tungwani had that emotional and uh, rousing victory. Um, I remember one moment in, 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 in the footage of that Olympics, we all watched it live in our living rooms, uh, 1996 in Atlanta. And there was at one moment where we felt this is where South African running should be when you saw him and Gertais and Josiah hit the front. Three South Africans at the front of the Olympic marathon. So Lawrence um, had, had, had his place in South African history. Um, he, he and Johannes came from Matlala. Uh, Johannes was a good friend of mine. Uh, we worked together. I did mentor him. And... Uh, they're part of that uh, petty culture and tradition where we've had so many good athletes. Um, uh, Henrik Ramala is, is, is another, and John Sabata, Titus Mamabola. Uh, there, there are just so many, but um, for some reason, the Limpopo province produces uh, a lot of really good athletes. Uh, you've got Casta Semenya, and you've got uh, Malazzi, so it's a wonderful uh, nursery of, of great talent. But of course, uh, if you coach um, athletes uh, well anywhere, talent can out. It's just giving the right infrastructure and support. And and of course, uh, the mention of that half marathon, I, I agree completely. That was, for me, uh, one of the great highlights of uh, the 1980s and the golden age of our sport. And what made that half marathon so, so, so great? Well, I think it was just the fact that Yantao took it out. There was talk of a world record. 
and 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 the guys delivered. You know, often you, you particularly with boxing, you have these very hyped up fights, and then you have a damn script. But you know, the fact that you know uh, Vitaleli and Matthews ran uh, shoulder to shoulder for the last ten uh, k's of the race, and it was in the balance right to the end. And I think um, I, I haven't managed ever to see footage. I wasn't down there myself, mm. but I mean, I think uh, Matthews just used his kick to just uh, win a very narrow victory over, over Zatulele, uh, about uh, a, meet, a meter, a meter, and then he collapsed uh, mm. and, and had to be taken to the oxygen tent uh, off the race. It, it, it was intense stuff, and uh, it, it was sort of the crowning achievement of, of uh, South African distance running at the time. And guess who we have on the line? How's this for great work from the producer here? Lawrence Pewu, good evening, sir. Thank you for joining us on SAFM. Evening, 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 and together to you, our listeners. We also have Mr. Richard Mayer here. We're just talking about the great days of road running uh, back in the day. Are you well? How are you doing at the moment? Oh, presently, then we are pushing, my brother. Then, I mean, then everything then is going slowly, slowly but sure. Are you still running? Then, then I just want to say, then uh, Richard, uh, then how are you there? <laughs> it's good. It's good to hear from you, Lawrence. A long time I haven't seen you. Are you keeping well, my friend? Yes, yes I cannot believe that you're still following athletics even now. No, I'm still running, still coaching, loving it. So, you know, it's in the blood. Here, just keep it on, my bro. Thank, thank you. And then, and then educate the journalist. What you know. <laughs> yes, that, that's why we have him on the line, Lawrence. I mean, on that note, Lawrence, how important is the role played by Richard, the fact that he was able to document what was going on back in the day when you guys were running? You know why then, I mean, then, to, my, to my side, then, I mean, I took it easily. I thought maybe then, I mean, he will give up. And then, I mean, from 80s, he was there. And then really to me, then I mean to Richard, then he's still, he's still doing those things, and even now, then it's, it's a surprise to me. And and does it does it hurt you that not a lot of people are writing up are writing about our stars from back in the day? That it's hard to find our stories. It's hard to find documentation about you guys. No, then you know why? Then I mean, then as Richard then already explained the way. Then I mean, then sometimes then I can miss him. But the way he explained about the political dispensation of the country, mm. then really, then I mean, then I know, I, I know. I, I, I'm not surprised, and I'm not even to, going to push you mm. harder. Let's take it step by step. Yes. As long as Richard then explained, and he knows about the political dispensation of the country, that I'm proud about that. Yes, and, and Richard is still running, Lawrence. Are you still running? No, I'm running still. You still get on the road? In in my yard. Oh, in my yard there. (laughs) You're doing virtual virtual running and virtual marathons. No, the thing is that I'm in my my keys, then I'm in reality, then I mean, they keep me busy about that. Those are the people, those who are really, then I mean, they're pushing those, and then they are. And then you can go to University of Technology, University of Technology. Then they are there, and then they are doing running for me. Do they know? And and do they understand who their father is and how big a name their father is, and that their father is an Olympian? You will be surprised because I mean they are going to be bigger than Lawrence Pugh. Okay. Oh! <laughs>
That's 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 what we like to hear. And just Lawrence, while we have you on the line, I mean, we've spoken about some of the great runners at the time: Lopenfall, Metis Demane, Olile Yawa. We had the Tsebe brothers also. Who was your toughest out of these guys? Bro, then you know why? Then I mean, to run neck to neck with the uh, three Matthews, Olile Yawa. That was great thing that I got. And, uh, and um, uh, uh, Baba Titus Mamabolo. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, sir. You know why? Even then I came sad. He came first. They know, I, I know that they are older than me. Uh. And then, I mean, then I, I came after Baba Titus Mamabolo. Uh. I came after uh, uh, Matthew Sloven Fast. I came after open uh, uh, um Demani. Uh, yes. So those are the great names, bro. Yes. And and you yeah. and, <laughs> and your great name yourself, you went to at to, to, to Atlanta nineteen ninety six. I mean how do you look back at that at that Olympics at that marathon? I think you were twentieth or twenty first? They are twenty I, I can't remember the, the, the position about that. But uh, how do you how do you look back at being at the Olympics and and running at the Olympics and placing? Because I know Josiah Tohuano would have dominated the headlines, but you were also there. Nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety six. Then I mean, you can ask uh, Mr. Ramsemi even before the Olympics to go to uh, Atlanta. Then we had the meetings here, the mission why we are going there. So then, I mean, there is a lot of history there. Yes, yes. There is a lot of history. Then I wish, if we can start now, then, mm. but then I mean, then it will take the whole day. <laughs> you deserve your own show, actually. We're going to bring you back. We did speak to Sam Ramsami, by the way. Um, uh, we, we're going to bring you back. But Lawrence Pugh, thank you very much for joining us and, and for listening to us as we go along here, talking about the three men and named Matthews. We've got more voice notes here. We haven't even got deep into Matthews' demand, but let's play the voice notes. Good evening. Yes, uh, I do remember Mithis Musoretu very well. I used to compare him with uh, Mithis Demani and uh, Mithis Baswadi. But as a boy grew up in, on a farm, I used to emulate Mathis Mosharate because I never missed any life uh, athletics meeting that they used to be part of, especially Mosharate. So he was so amazing. In my opinion, I thought he was always going to fall when he runs. Thank you. I'm calling from Clarksop, Jobetan TV Pacific. Hey, good evening, Tabi. So once more, Butingo uh, maybe I'm getting old. I, I, I didn't know an um, open file passed on. I, I, I don't know why, but uh, thanks to your show then. Oh, I, I, the, the, the reminder uh, that, uh, about him, that voice, uh, pardon me, that nickname, open file. You will swear really that he's going to fall when he's running. That is way, that is the reason he got that nickname. Oh my God, I didn't know this. Thanks to your show, Tabi, so once more. I'm listening, I'm with you today, uh, all out since you started the show. 
Thank you. Booting County Indo in the Eastern Cape. Good evening, Intertetabi. So, good evening to Mr. Richard. Good evening to your producers and the loyal listeners for the good show. My question to Mr. Richard is In his own term, who can he classify as the best athletes we've ever had in South Africa? The one either in the past or current, maybe Wade Vanneka or Caster, whoever in his definition would he give that credit to? It's Bramoro in Bloomfontein. Thanks, Bramoro in Bloomfontein. I'm going to save that question for, for last because I want us to get into Matthew Stemane here, Richard. We haven't even gone deep into him. And if I could summarize what you wrote, he was a freak of nature, wasn't he? Absolutely. Uh, immensely talented. Uh, and and that, that smooth motion that he had, that, that wonderful style where he looked so effortless. You know, God gives you that. But uh, I must tell you a story. You know, there is natural talent, but you've got to use it. I mm-hmm. asked him once when we were traveling a long way in a car together, how he seemed to have that natural tactical sense. He always seemed to be in the right place in the right time. And I thought it was just a natural. And I said to him, Matthews, how do you manage that? And he said, you know, Richard, I used to watch Jan Fury because him and Fury had a wonderful mm-hmm. rivalry over 3,000 meters in the mile. And he said he used to analyze the videos for hours to see how he could... At race tactically against Matthew uh, against Johan Ferry and 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 his other rivals. So the point is, nothing happens without hard work, even if you've got the talent. But uh, a, a wonderful man, a gentle man, but on the track uh, he he was like a predator. He would be he would be tracking his prey, ready to unleash that 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 uh, legendary kick of his. You you mentioned in the book that he was tested at Professor Tim Noakes' lab, and the results were mind blowing. What what were they testing? Uh, they tested his uh, VO2 max. Uh, there have been higher t- VO2 maxes uh, recorded internationally, but I think it was the highest ever recorded at, at Professor Noakes's laboratory on the on the test that they applied seventy six. Um, and I mean, I, I believe that Kolili Yawa only had sixty four, but. You know, it's it's what you do with what you've got. And uh, you know, Kolili has also been mentioned, also a wonderful competitor, nine South African 10,000 meter titles. What a, what a record. And Matthews, what would, what, would, what would have been or what would be some of his biggest achievements or highlights? Matthews well, Tamani. I think, I think the, the, uh, Tamani, the, the biggest highlight would have been that wonderful half marathon beating Zutuleli that, that we've talked about. But... He also uh, was very proud of his mile victory in Potchefstroom, 1983, March 1983, against Jan Free. Still, this inland South African record. He ran 3:55 for the mile, so more than a sub four mile, but at altitude. I mean, that was 3:55.4 is, is mind blowing at that kind of kind of altitude. And um, other than that, I think all all the 5,000 titles, mm. 5,000 meter titles. So. Uh, a very versatile athlete didn't really make it in the marathon, but to me, the track is where it's at. And I mean, he 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 was uh, very very dominant on the track. So uh, a wonderful man. And I think the point must be made socially. He he did a lot for the image of black people in the country, both in terms of encouraging black people to achieve their potential, because he he did so well against white opposition, particularly on the track, and also because. Uh, I think he helped uh, a lot of white pe- people, particularly Afrikaans community, have respect for black people because he was such a gentleman, such a competitor, and, and always behaved with the greatest of sportsmanship and dignity in all circumstances.
In the book, Richard, as we wrap up, you also mention Henning Gerke. And I've been meaning to ask, is this the cop doctor? Yeah, yeah, this, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> the same Dr. Henning Gerke that's worked with the Springboks. That's right. No, no, it's, uh, he, 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 he studied psychology. Yes. I think, I think uh, you know, Johan Furrier has mentioned how talented he was and he was a brilliant junior. Yes. I think part of his failure to possibly go all the way was he was studying very hard and is very serious academic. But, uh, you know, they were, I, I called them the firm. There was him and Dion Brimmer and mm. Johan Furrier, and they trained together at, at, at Tux. Um and and they, they were a formidable training outfit and, and running outfit. And you know, I, I, I think one of the highlights of my early running career was to go to a meeting in in uh, the Pilbridge Stadium and see Johan mm. and and these two guys running together. Because another person we mustn't forget is Johan Free, the electricity he brought to the track. Um, he, he, he always ran with commitment and pride. And he filled stadiums. And, you know, we do have runners like that. I mean, if, 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 if he can uh, get his act together, there's a young guy called Ryan Impaslele from Tembisa who's mm-hmm. got, got similar kind of potential. If he can um, unleash it, you know, he's got similar kind of charisma. But um, unfortunately, uh, he's had a few setbacks. So one looks to the past, to the future, to hope that these great figures that we've been talking about will inspire further champions. There's another name that you mentioned in the book that sounds very fascinating to me. I don't know much about him. Gibeon Mashaba. Yes. What, what, what made him stand out? I think you say he was a hard man. He was, he was one of those sort of mining, mining type hard men. He, he, he was coached under a guy called Pete Ferreira at ERPM, East Rand Proprietary Mines, now closed down in the Boxburg area. And those guys, he was with a guy called Charles Villacazi and uh, Ernest Selecki. And uh, they would run steps. That was their their um, their, their uh, training routine. And I called him the quintessential roadie. He he, he mm. run a lot on the road, and of course, a lot of runners do run excessively on the road because they need to take money home, and and it's an easy way of money. But the trouble is, it does inhibit the development of world class talent because you sometimes need to rest and plan and look towards a future goal, like an Olympics. But the trouble is when you've got a monthly requirement to, to pay rent and look after your family, it's sometimes difficult to, to hold back. But, uh, you know, a wonderfully hard man. I, I admired him uh, greatly as a young guy. But um, if, if, he, if he had uh, given different circumstances, he could have focused on running faster and in big competitions. Okay, and then we've got another gentleman on the line here, former runner himself, Piyom Pulukeng. Richard, what goes through your mind when we mention that name? Well, the thing I love about Pio is um, I've recommended many to the coach because not only was he a great runner, I think he won the Dublin Marathon. Pio will be able to, 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 to confirm that, but he's doing some wonderful work in Clarksdorp, and Matthew Tumani is actually on his team with Nedbank, so... Um, a wonderful coach and putting so much back into the sport and, and good to hear from you, Pio. Pio, good evening. Good, good evening, Mr. Tabizo. Are you well? How are you doing, sir? No, I'm okay, man. Yes, well, we're just going back, educating each other here just about the running days, the great days of, 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 of the past. How do you feel when we have such conversations and we are speaking to Richard Mayer now? Yeah, well, Richard Mayer, he, ran, he read the book of the three methods, the man, yes. I mean, the, the man, I mean, the methods. 
when you come to the three methods, I grew up under Matthews, the man, the guy I started athletics with him. He was coaching me when I was still young. Mm. And then until I go to Caltevi to join the two Mohosis brothers, Meshach and Shadrach, it's when I start to run some of the international race and win some of the overseas races. But Matthews is the one who played the big role in my athletics. Yeah. That is the man. And then when you started running, who were some of the toughest that you ran against? Come again? I'm saying who were some of those, the, the tough opponents that you ran against? When I was running, it, I was running uh, 800 meters before, and then I was running against Ezekiel Sepin. Ah, yes, yes. And yes. then I was coached by the guy from Johannesburg, uh, Stoffy Stover. That's a long time ago. Are you still part of the NetBank Running Club? Because I remember I used to actually work for NetBank, those who don't know. And and you were part of the running club, were you not? Yes, I'm coaching. I'm doing development in Flexop. I, I think not what as a whole. Yeah. I've got, I've got so many good athletes I identify and, uh, up until now. I've got Gladwin Zazis Babal, who represents uh, South Africa and the World Cross Country. And, uh, you had Tsepotsite at the Sudan. time? Gladwin Zadis Babalo. Mm. And how's the talent? Are you happy with the talent that's coming through, Pierre? Yeah, too much. Because one of my, of my development, you win SHMs last week in in Pretoria, Tsepotsite. Tsepotsite, yes. That's the guy that I just yeah. mentioned because I remember a couple of years ago you were speaking highly about it. Yeah, Tsepotsite is also from my development. And David Manja is also from my development. You win SHMs in George in 2016. Drew Money. It's also from my development. And Brandon Lindsay, Chabidi Nedimane, there are so many, and Maria Shai. Ah, that's wonderful. We are still working with NetBank. NetBank, they are doing development around the country. Obed Obed Kopong, ne? Yeah, and also Obed Kopong, also from my development. Okay, Pio, let's let's leave it. I think it's more than 20 athletes are from NetBank development. Yes. I actually think I did that story when I used to work there. But let's leave it there, Pio. You deserve your own show too. Richard, we just have to wrap up because of time. There was a question from Bramoro about the best athlete ever, regardless of the generation. Okay. If you split it up, uh, okay, uh, all South African athletes must be weighed for Nikik. I was privileged to be in the stadium at the time. A world record and a gold medal. In Rio. Big final. I was also there. I was there, right there, inside, 4303, yeah, from mean, lane 8. Mind-blowing, mind-blowing. I've written, written, wrote an article, I was, I, was, I was showing it to some people this morning because uh, I'm thinking of Wade and praying that he'll reproduce. But in terms of 10K running, shorter distance running, it's got to go to Lopenfall because he beat the best in the world when given the opportunity. Uh, I think 800-meter running, it has to go to Malazzi because of that gold medal in, in, in the... Uh, mm. World Championships 2009. Mm. And then, you know, Casta's a special case, but she stands alone. And then I think uh, for versatility in the ladies, uh, sort of longer distance uh, tie between Zabad and Ilana Mayer. But uh, f- uh, a final thought, we must try and develop our young black female athletes. We're going to bring you back for that conversation, Richard. But thank you for the time. Thank you for the information. Thank you for the knowledge that you've shared with us tonight. And it's never too late, folks, to get that book, Three Men Named Matthews, where he documents it there. But it's been an honor to speak to you, Richard, on the show tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a privilege.
Thank you. And uh, I, I believe there was a question from Tara about Blanche Moila. We did speak to her on this show. If you go to our podcast, you can find that interview with Blanche Moila um, there, as well as uh, Rosina Sitibane. We've spoken to them. Elana May has been on this show. Um, Zola Bart Peterse has joined us from the US. So all those podcasts are available on SAFM Spot On, as well as the one with Olile Yawa there. There are many more we're going to bring on. William Tola was recently on the show. So you can just go back if you want to have uh, a listen to those podcasts. But we just have to leave it there because of time it is a friday night we have to uh, go to news right now